0: Hey, I'm Katie. And it's your co host, Corey. And this is the Press Next Podcast. And listen, y'all, we obviously have some people here that have not normally been with us. We have two guests on the show, uh, and I'm going to let them introduce themselves. So, Casey, you want to go first?
1: Yeah. So, my name is Casey Graham. Um, I currently live in Abilene, Texas, been here about seven years. Um, I absolutely love it. We just bought a house. This hey, is my turn up, turn up. Um, so yeah, that's about it. I work in a retail banking position. I'm an assistant manager there. Absolutely love my job, love my life, I'm not gonna lie. feel like I'm <laughs> at the top right now. So, <laughs>
0: <laughs> Well, congratulations Good. and welcome to the show. And our other guest is Maddie. Maddie, you want to introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Maddie
2: Green. Um, I'm currently a student at Oklahoma State. So I'm living in Stillwater and I'm finishing my third year. So one Woo-hoo. more year and I'm done. Getting yet. close.
0: I know Ooh, what are you majoring in?
2: Uh, I'm an English major.
0: Nice, nice. Uh, please do not. Uh, my English is all kind of messed up. Oh, it's okay. It's <laughs> okay.
2: Yeah.
0: Oh, I use all type of different vernacular. So we are excited uh, to have them on the show. Today we are going to be talking about um, a very, could be triggering topic. So we do want to give yeah. that warning for you all. So uh, this month is Mental Health Awareness Month. The topic of discussion specifically with this episode is eating disorder. So here's what we want y'all to do. The movie is called To the Bone. You do not have to watch it. It is on Netflix. Um, the movie is called To the Bone. Don't have to watch it. If you do not want to listen to this episode uh, because it is centered around uh, a topic that may be triggering for you, that is completely fine. Uh, go back, listen to some other episodes, wait to our episode next week. Uh, we will see you next week. We love you. Thank you for showing up. If you are here for the run, please sit back, relax. And listen to this conversation. And before we get into that, if you would like to be like Casey and Maddie and be on the show to discuss the movie, maybe share your own experience, make sure you click the link in the bio, fill out the form. We will get in touch with you and we'll bring you on. We'll definitely bring you on because we want to hear your story. Katie, you want to give an uh, overview about the movie this week?
3: Absolutely. So, like you said, we are covering To the Bone, um, which stars Lily Collins. Love her. Um, It is on Netflix, and the description is a young woman dealing with anorexia meets an unconventional doctor who challenges her to face her condition and embrace life. Mm,
0: mm, mm, mm. And uh, full disclosure, I legitimately watched this movie today, (laughs) so it is very fresh in my mind about this film. Uh, So we're going to jump right into it. And Maddie, I'm going to ask you 1st on a scale of one to ten. Um, how did you like this movie? how much um, How much did you like this movie?
2: So I think it was pretty controversial, so like saying that I did like it kind of seems you know not the best a little weird. but yeah, but I think I would rate it about like a seven and a half or an eight just because it is one of the first movies that really like brought awareness to this as a whole that I mm-hmm. know of in like an actual type of light and not just a like humorous
0: sort of way.
3: Right. Mm. I could agree. I agree with that.
0: Mm. Well, Katie, you agree with the same score? or You want to give it a different score?
3: Um, I was thinking like an eight. Yeah. I, I enjoyed the film. I think that it, you're right. It does sound weird saying I enjoyed it. I <laughs> enjoyed the message that it brought because I think sometimes it's really hard to talk about taboo topics And so, when you see them depicted um, in such a, what I assume is a realistic manner, really, you know, has other people open up their eyes. It's not just, you know, like, anorexia isn't just people starving themselves, right? Or bulimia isn't just binging and purging. Or, um, you know, these other disorders. It's really something that people struggle with and it's not it's not just not eating you know it there's other there's layers to it and i think that seeing it depicted um really opened up a lot of eyes
0: okay casey how you feeling scale of I, one would, to ten.
1: I would say definitely an eight just because it is uh pretty realistic i mean i would say um the main character's like specific case with like anorexia was it it was to an extreme, mm-hmm. um, but I think that needs to be shown um, instead of you know like Maddie said like sugarcoating it or anything like that. I would definitely say uh, the realness and how raw it is um, definitely an eight for me because it did show the different dynamic and like how her eating disorder you know affected all the relationships around her.
0: Right, right. I would have to agree with y'all. I would also say, this is big for me. I'm a, you know, a film buff, but I kind of thought it was like a nine for me. But let me explain why. I'm probably never going to watch this again, not on the account that it was a bad film, On more on the account that like, it's tough for me to watch trauma over and over, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm probably never going to watch this film again. The reason why I can't watch Precious or uh, Fruitvale Station, I can't watch them again, right? They're passionate to Christ. Seen them one time, (laughs) can't do it. (laughs) But the stories that I think that it focused on and and told weren't just hers, Mm -hmm. right? It was her parents, her step-parents, her sister. It was everybody involved that you got to see how people react. And not even necessarily like that her disorder caused, but more so that some people just aren't, aren't, informed enough that they don't know how to love or or support or protect somebody who even has a disorder like this so mm-hmm. i think they did while some of the parts of the movie were really cringy for me because i'm like how why would you say that to your daughter right like oh, why would you do that but i know better I'm, I'm a little bit biased right my background is in counseling and psychology that's the dsm-5 right there right so right. <laughs> i'm a little bit biased but at the same time i have to understand that there's a plenty of people out there who have no idea how to support and to deal with anything of that nature. And I think that the film did a good like thing of showing almost every aspect of who was going to be around you if you are um, you know, going through uh, this. So my next question, and another, you kinda, Go ahead. An-
3: another thing that I really liked about this is how they included a male- as well because it showed that not it's Mm. not just a female um disorder you know it happens with everyone whether they're male or female
0: okay okay i kind of want to talk i want to unpack that but here's a here's a follow-up question (laughs) i want to ask what was the most powerful point of the movie for you and it could have just been like the most jarring imagery or you know anything but what was like the moment where you were like this is a very powerful moment Or did you have one?
1: So for me, I would say um, there's a part in the movie where they talk about like that chocolate bar, that candy bar. Mm. And then he like brings it out in front of like a group and is like trying to force her to take it.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And, You know, I've personally been in that situation where, like, someone's pressuring you to, I mean, I think we've all been in a situation where we felt pressured, whether it was food, alcohol, I mean, any substance, honestly. So, um, for me, like, her reaction to that was so natural, like, so normal. Like, I think if anyone would have been in that situation, they would have, you know, snapped. And I I think that really showed her relationship with food, you know, like so that was that was definitely a big scene for me.
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah,
3: I agree with that. And also when she didn't take it, but she did the next day and she was sitting at the table and mm-hmm. everyone went dead silent and was just staring at her. And I was like, Y'all are in the same situation. Like, why are you staring at her? Clearly this is a big deal for her. Don't make her uncomfortable. <laughs> Right.
0: What about you, Maddie?
2: <laughs> um, okay, so this one it it's like a little more like towards my experience of why mm-hmm. it kind of meant a lot, but where the part where they go to the like exhibit the where it looks like the rain is falling on them but it's the right. light, um, and everything. Because the first time I was in treatment we did an outing like that and we went to this really big art museum and it had this like really, really magnificent garden in the back. And I remember just like standing back there and just like having a feeling of knowing it'll be okay and that I can, I can do it. For some reason, I don't know what it was about the garden or just the art or nature or whatever. But there's something in that that I think is important towards some people's recovery.
0: Yeah, that's wow. awesome. That is amazing. Like, that is some as somebody who admittedly has never struggled with this at all, that was a scene that kind of, I didn't understand. But mm-hmm. in talking to you, you having a connection to that scene, that's why I love, this is why I love movies and film. Like, <laughs> how incredible was for somebody like me to have missed that and for somebody, for you to be like, this is a very powerful moment because this is something that I've also experienced. Incredible. Incredible.
3: Yeah. That is incredible. Powerful
0: what about moment you, Corey? For you? Oh, for me, okay. Oh man, I feel like there's a lot. Um, the counselor in me, I think the the powerful moment for me was you remember when they were in? Um, I don't know what you call them. It kind of looked like a little hut, <laughs> but it was at nighttime, and her real, like her her mom came in and was like, "Hey, can I feed you?" That conversation, and then like she fed her as if she were a child again. Yeah. The reason why that was powerful for me is that when we talk about therapy and what is unorthodox and what can be therapeutic, it can legitimately be like anything. And so, for instance, you can be with a client and do something called the the, the empty chair, right? Where, especially if you're talking about somebody who has passed or somebody has gone or something, and you are talking to somebody who is not necessarily there, but you're able to still... Uh, have a very cathartic experience literally you can find therapy in some of the the wildest places and so for that scene i was like this is incredible this is very powerful and nobody's going to understand it but them too me as a viewer me as like somebody who's an aspiring counselor i get the why they use the technique but the connection between them two, they're only going to understand. And also it showed that sometimes the therapy has is, is the chain and the connection between a person and another person or a person in a system and not just a person, right? Like they need more. They don't have all the, of the support. And I feel like I've even been there in my life where it's not just a I can just suck it up, right, mm-hmm. which is the conversation she had with the doctor. And keep going. It was like, no, I need support. I need somebody else. So I feel like for me, that was like mind blowing. I almost dropped a little tear, but I did. <laughs> <laughs> I did because the second most powerful moment to me is when she was landing on on the ground and she was in the in the tree and she mm. saw herself. Yeah. Right. I guess depicting that was her rock bottom. uh Very powerful. Casey, you want to say something?
1: No. Um... I would say along with that scene, like where her mother is feeding her, you know, as someone who has been through therapy and used unconventional tactics, I guess you could say, Mm -hmm. like it makes sense. It made all the sense in the world to
0: me. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay.
3: Yeah. For me, the most powerful. So I think I have two, um, and they were both, they both seem so minor in the grand scheme of the movie. Um, but the, the first one that sticks out to me is when she gets off the, after she left treatment and she gets off the bus and her mom, her real mom picks her up. Um, and just the way her mom reacted to seeing her, it was like, how do you come out smaller than you went in? Um, and I think just seeing the heartbreak, from a mother's perspective, um, it just really depicted how it does affect more than just a singular person. Um, and then the second one that really sticks out to me is when she left the treatment center, and the stepmom was talking to the doctor, and she was like, "How can you just let people walk out?" And he said, "Usually mm. we don't let them walk out, but Lily, or what's her name, Penny." Eli. Eli, <laughs>
0: yeah, Ellen, but they go by Eli. Yes,
3: Eli, but Eli needs to hit rock bottom, um, and I think that being a like being raised around someone who was addicted to drugs, um, this is much different. But it's addiction, right? So addiction um, in any aspect is a disease, and you need to encourage, but not enable. And so, um, I got that from your mom, Corey, um, encourage, but not enable. And that's something that you, you don't realize until you're in that position until you are helping someone who doesn't want to be helped. You know, you have to Mm -hmm. let them figure it out on their own and like he said, like you can't have somebody in a treatment center that doesn't want help because it's not going to work. That person has to want to be helped.
0: Right, right. And, and before we go any further, I do want to offer you both the opportunity uh, to share bits of your story if you're willing to do so. You do not have to. Uh, but I think it might give a little bit more insight to the knowledge, the specific knowledge that you have that Katie and I do not. Uh, right. So completely up to you. The floor is yours. If you want to share your experience or your knowledge behind it, why you're here, why you're passionate about the subject, the floor is yours.
1: Do you want to go first, Maddie?
2: Uh, Sure. Yeah. Okay. So my story started my senior year of high school. Um, I was, I was the oldest kid of three, all girls. And Like I was in all AP classes, I had a lot of like pressures on me to be kind of perfect and like the Mm -hmm. example. Um, So I've, I don't really know why it started because it, it wasn't really a conscious thought. It just kind of happened uh, the first time like I restricted. uh, And I just kept doing that. And I didn't know what it was. I didn't, think it was an issue or anything until like somebody at my school, and it was a pretty big school. I graduated with like 1400. So. Wow, that's huge. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But somebody talked to my teacher and I knew one of the vice principals. So the vice principal like called me out of class and then had to call my mom and uh, they made me go to the doctor. And then within a week I was in a treatment center and I stayed there for two months, and then I got out, finished senior year. was doing pretty good, but college and some other things happened, and I ended up going back into my eating disorder, and then at the end of fall semester of my sophomore year, I went back to treatment for another month, and that time it was more by choice, and it was with adults, the first time I was in an adolescent unit, so it was all like 17 and under, so, and I was 17, so I was one of the oldest, but this time I was 19, one of the youngest. Um, but that time was, it stuck a lot more, and I was able to actually take what I learned and stay in recovery since then, so,
0: yeah. it's awesome. Okay. Well, we are very glad that you are here and very thankful that you are vulnerable enough to share that. Not yeah, only with absolutely. us, but for people who are listening. So we appreciate it.
3: Yeah, of course. So, um, if you don't mind sharing, what do you think made it stick the last time, or the uh, the latest time?
2: I think um, with this most recent time in treatment, I I realized like I just wasn't happy, and that giving into behaviors all the time and not having any energy and just being like a shell of myself wasn't the way I wanted to live anymore as much as like my disorder gave me control of something in my life. I, I realized it, I wasn't in control mm. anymore and I needed to take care of myself if I wanted to like have a family one day and just have like an actual happy life.
0: Okay.
3: Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Definitely.
0: Casey? Would so you from, like to share? Oh yeah. my god. I didn't mean to cut you no, off. No,
1: you're fine. So I'd say for me, like um from a very young age, I started noticing um either comments from like family members or um even my own parents. So I'll just be honest. Um my entire family is overweight. Um, My dad, my uncle, my grandparents, um, you name it, and they are severely obese. So along with that comes a lot of medical complications. So, you know, everyone's diabetic in my family for the most part. Um, So when I was a young girl, uh, I would always remember like, family members being like, oh, you might wanna watch what you eat, like you know you're on this side of the family, um you know this everyone's diabetic because they overeat, and this and that and that, so from a very young age, I would say, like not having a good relationship with food, so um counting calories like in elementary school like wow. like uh, and I uh, never really realized what trauma that would bring on later in life. Mm-hmm. Um, I was also an athlete growing up. So uh, I was a dancer. And so with dancing, um, I always felt like I was in the middle. So like, I always saw these like really thin dancers that had so much control of their body. And I was like, I want to be like that. Because then I knew girls that were bigger and they were in control of their body and their movement but I knew that if I were to get big I was scared the health problems that would come to it so I I was in the middle but I wanted to be one extreme or another at some point because I was like maybe it'll make me a better dancer which now sounds crazy (laughs) um but I would say from like a very young age like uh, my parents didn't allow, um, like a lot of like high sugar foods in the house. So like no snack cakes, no pop, uh, which is like soda. <laughs> about <to> say pop, <laughs> yeah.
0: girl. So like,
1: so like She's no, a Midwest Pepsi, girl. no Coke. Yeah. So like we weren't allowed to have anything like that in the house. Like when it came to like cereal, we had like, you know, like the r- traditional original, like, Cheerios and like you would like (laughs) sneak the bag of sugar to like add some flavor to it so that's me from like a very young age like food and I had a very rough relationship fast forward um you know I had a lot of like ups and downs in high school I had um one of my best friends um was admitted to an inpatient facility for her eating disorder and um It never really hit me that, like, my relationship with food was unhealthy until I was 24, Um, was probably, like, my biggest, I would say, downfall um, as far as my weight goes. Um, I was going through a really big breakup. Um, I was in a seven-year relationship that was coming to an end. Um, I was just beginning to live on my own for, like, the first time ever because, like, even though I moved out of my parents' house, I still had a partner that I lived with. Um, So the stress of all of that, like, triggered me not eating. And Mm. then by the time I noticed anything was wrong, I had lost, like, 40 pounds and Uh, I remember uh, I would meet people and they would ask me if I was sick, like from like a terminal illness. Like, like they were like, is she okay? Like, is she like dying? And, you know, um, even my boyfriend's mom, you know, I had met at that time. She expressed like how concerned she was um, to my boyfriend, and, uh, you know, all of his family members then were, you know, everyone just thought I was sick, but, yeah. like, didn't know what I was sick with, mm-hmm. and I guess it took me, um, took me hitting rock bottom to be like, okay, I might have a problem with food, so... Um, I still to this day count calories and it's, it's just something I pick up a package, flip it over. And that's the first thing I look at is the calorie content of a food. Mm-hmm. And so, um, relating it back to the movie, um, when she said that the feeding tube was going to be 1500 calories, like that was probably the most triggering part for me. Cause I was like, Oh, like, I think I'm like, well now, but I still count calories every day. And like, if I were to have a meal with 1500 calories, I'd probably freak out.
0: Wow. Yeah. That was like, honestly,
3: when I saw that part too, I was like 1500 calories Mm -hmm. because I also, you know, look at calories of everything I eat. I think that it's so, and I think that it's, I don't want to take away from what men struggle with, but I think that it's so different for women because I feel like at a young age, we are like just the societal standards are so different and everything that we see. And I will say that things have gotten much better. Uh, I think body positive, the body positivity movement and like size inclusivity has grown exponentially within the past couple of years. Um, but, like, I'll, I went to American Eagle the other day um, to find some new pants and shorts because everybody's wearing these super cute mom jeans, and <laughs> I want a pair, but I, I don't know where to find them, and my time friend's out. like, oh, time go out. to American Eagle. Unrealistic.
1: Unrealistic. <laughs> okay, keep going.
2: <laughs> other oh, time out. Try <laughs> thrift stores, but go to the men's section. If you get yes. men's jeans and just belt it, it's the exact same thing. okay. And Walmart. Okay, okay. Walmart men's jeans as well. They
3: have Drop to gems.
0: Bet. Okay. Where okay. do I go to get my jeans? Because my jeans <laughs> because <laughs> <laughs> you know it ain't the same for me.
3: Right. So I actually went to American Eagle, and as we were walking into the store, I was with a friend, and I said, I kind of am super nervous to walk in here right now, and I have PTSD from when I was in high school because I've always been like, I wouldn't say that I'm, well, I'm fat. I have fat on me, but I've always kind of been like a mid-sized girl. Right. So I've always been in between like a 12, 14. I've probably been a size 14 since high school. Um, And it fluctuates, but I remember being in high school and that's when everybody was shopping at Aeropostale and American Eagle and Hollister. And I would go to the mall with my friends and I'd be like, "Mm, I don't want to walk into the store with Mm y'all because I can't fit anything there. And it's like back then they only went up to like a size 10 and pants and everything else you had to order online. I'm like, well, I don't want to order it online. I'm here. I want to buy it here with my friends. Right. And then even the extra large t-shirts were like skin tight. And I was like, nah, I'm not down with that. So, um, I was, it it shocked me like how nervous I was to walk into just this regular ass store just because of things I felt in high school. And so, and, and what we saw growing up, right? So like Victoria's Secret models and just any model really, um, and how just unrealistic it was for the average person um, is so interesting. And so I've always, I mean, since high school, I've been counting calories and looking at calories and looking at fat and looking at carbs. And I think that my relationship with food has gotten a lot better, but I feel like I struggle with the opposite problem. So whereas I don't restrict, I, overindulge. Um, So if I'm, I'm just like an emotional person and I'm also an emotional eater. And so anytime I'm stressed out, anytime I'm happy, um, I celebrate with food or I, uh, when I'm sad, I eat. And then I always have this response of, okay, this is going to be my last quote unquote bad meal. So let me splurge. And then I just go into that routine for like a month and then i'm like okay i need to reel it back in and so i guess that's binging but yeah it's <laughs> it's, it's, it's crazy yeah it's and tough
0: the, yeah it is very very tough and, and the mindset for for both i think are still very different but there are some similarities and stuff and mm-hmm. again thank you both for sharing that and i think that absolutely for me it definitely has given me more insight so i know that it will be for those who are listening uh and viewing so i have a question and i i feel a certain way about this but i want to know how y'all feel which is uh i think all four of us on the screen right now have been through very traumatic aspects of our lives and the things that we have dealt with so my question is do you feel like films about trauma are necessary
1: A hundred percent. Why? So I think everyone has trauma, Mm -hmm. um, in some way, shape or form. Um, kind of back to what like Katie was saying earlier, like it's an addiction. So whether it's like an addiction with food, whether it's one extreme or another, um, or drugs, alcohol, anything like that. Um, I think the more we educate and the more we talk about it, the more likely, you know, someone is going to be going forward to either have compassion for someone mm-hmm. who's going through it or compassion for themselves. Because I know, uh, you know, once you start losing weight, you're like, oh, I love this. And then you hit rock bottom and you're like, how do I get out of this? And so I think at the end of the film where it then turns around and she's able to accept her own treatment plan is, like, perfect in my opinion.
0: Okay. How are you feeling about it, Maddie?
2: So <clears throat> it's something I'm very iffy about mm-hmm. because there are certain traumas that I cannot watch on television. Like, if certain things are, like, reenacted or depicted, I, like, physically can't watch it. Um, this is not one of them. Um, this is something I've like embraced and worked through Mm -hmm. obviously a little bit more, (laughs) but, um, I think the only problem with a movie like this being so, um, like graphic and so honest is that, Mm -hmm. uh, this was with, my group of treatment people. This is where their problem lied with it. Was that it could give um, people an inspiration mm.
1: mm-hmm.
2: um, that people could like glorify it or romanticize it um, because that's a common thing. And sometimes all it all it takes is something like that to make like an eating disorder that's like dormant in somebody's mind like start to gain traction and start mm-hmm. to pick up and. So that's why I think it depends honestly on like the, the viewer on whether or not they're able to view certain traumas.
0: Okay.
3: No, that's a good point. So I was reading something. I was reading an interview that Lily Collins had about this movie because, um, she had an eating disorder as well. And so they were asking her, you know, was this triggering for you? Did it bring up any past trauma or anything like that? Um, And then in one of the questions they asked, it was talking about the the show 13 Reasons Why. And I remember that being super controversial when it came out, too, because it was talking like parents felt or people in general felt that it was promoting suicide or romanticizing suicide. And um, I could I could see how this movie could relate to that as well
0: yeah i mean i i feel that i literally like casey on some days i'm like you i'm like yo we people need to see this you know what Mm -hmm. i mean like we people need to be aware that this is something that's going on so that maybe they can recognize the signs and symptoms and get somebody help and then like the next day i wake up and i'm like there's no way i can watch this again Yeah. like for so for me here's how it's a little bit more prevalent for me right now as a black man there's plenty of times where they will stream on the news and on the internet A black man being killed by a police officer. We have to watch it over and over again. I gotta watch the trial, (sighs) Mm -hmm. right? And and absolutely heartbreaking. It is, right? And then I have to then they make movies and TV shows about it. And I'm like, you know, I, I I applaud the fact that people are gonna see this and they're gonna be like, man, this there's something wrong. We really need to be protecting each other out right here because I don't, like nobody should be dying at the hands of police. Mm-hmm. Um, nobody should be dying at the hands of anybody, but we know that people kill each other. But law enforcement should not be doing it. Mm-hmm. So when I watch it at the rate that it happens in, in my community, especially specifically talking about black men, I watch it, I watch it, then a the movie comes out and it's the topic of discussion. And it's like, should I watch this movie? That's why I can't watch Fruitvale Station, right? Right. Um, Fruitvale
3: Station is too hard. I've only I, it, watched it once and I, I won't watch it again.
0: can't do it. When it gets to the platform, like I'm like feeling teary right now. When it gets to the platform part, I have to turn it off. I can't do it. Because mm-hmm. I, I saw it live happen. Then you want me to watch it in this movie so I can have a discussion about it. But Or even movies like Queen and Slim or like the one that just came out, which is pretty much like a groundhog day for a black man and a police mm-hmm. officer. Mm-hmm. Or um, American Sun. Yes, like all. So there's some days I'm like, man, I can't watch this no more. And it perpetuates my, even my own anxiety and fear Mm -hmm. to where I've been, I've had like some anxiety about being pulled over. I got pulled over by the police like two weeks ago. I've never been more afraid in my life. Like I'm typically calm, cool, collected. I couldn't catch my words, I was shaking and for like no reason. For good reason, actually, right. but I've never been in that moment. So so part of me is like, I, I want people to see this because right. they have to know what's going on. And the other part is like, I don't want to see it. So on mm-hmm. one end, I don't want to watch it. But on the other end, I want others to watch it, I if that makes I, the most sense. I'm so perplexed when it comes to this.
3: I agree with you. And I think that my thoughts on it are like you said, Maddie, it depends on the audience because I feel like some stuff people just won't grasp or won't even try to understand until they see it depicted. And so that's, that's where I'm like, okay, this is necessary because there's some things that they, that people just don't want to learn about or that people are completely oblivious about. Like, I think that this, I think this depicts it well. I wish we would have seen, and I I realized that it was her journey in um, an inpatient um, facility, and so you're going to see the extremes, but I wish we would have seen more of um, the not-so-extreme like because I feel like that's, I don't want to say it's more realistic because it's taking away from the extreme, but I feel like it's more what we would see Right. um or what we would experience. And so I wish we would have seen more of that. But that's why I think that some of these traumatic films are necessary cuz I feel like people will deny it until they are shown.
0: Yeah. It. And and part of it is that they have to go so so far because mm-hmm. are you actually are you going to watch the film that where there's just like it seems like this is the person that you know Right, like no, like people aren't. That film's not going to sell. So, a film in itself is still like an art piece that they're trying to make money off of, which is why right. some people, a lot of people, might find it as being, you know, very problematic that you're mm-hmm. profiting off somebody's trauma. Um, but oh man, I, I literally thought it was a great film. I, that I would not probably never watch again because it's really tough for me to watch trauma. But I do want mm-hmm. other people to watch so that they can understand some of the ins and outs. Um, so another question I have is, um, Casey, I'll start with you. Do you think that, you know, there's something that causes eating disorders? Is there some sort of cause correlation set up?
1: Um, I would definitely say society starting with society. Um, kind of like what Caitlin's or, Katie, sorry. It's Caitlin to me. <laughs> they kind of like what Caitlin was saying, like walking into a store and like, like I do this now with like a, um, where I live, there's, um, a lot of local boutiques popping up here and there. Well, when you're a boutique, you typically sell small, medium, large, you know? Mm-hmm. So like, even right now, like I walk into a store and I have to buy a certain size and, uh. That itself is kind of triggering to me still. So, also, that not every store, like a size eight,
0: is so different from store to store. Girl, that's a whole other thing, <laughs> right? And that's um, hard for me to understand because I mean, like, I might get a size that just fits a little bit tighter, but from what I hear from the ladies is that it'd be like a whole different size, like an eight be a really a four or something. And I'm like, what the?
1: Yeah. For me, I think like for my particular situation, um, it was definitely like seeing like, you know, having family members in my ear about like watching what I eat from a very, Mm -hmm. very young age. Like I can I mean, I remember being like first grade, like hiding a cheesecake bar because I didn't want anyone else in my house to have it (laughs) and I didn't want anyone to know I was eating it. And, I mean, just, like, from such a young age, uh, just being so, so aw- I- aware is not the best word for it, but just being aware of, like, what food can do. Mm-hmm. So, that's just for me, personally. I will say that this movie was very triggering, like, uh Right now, I'm kind of on like the opposite end of this scale, literally, like I'm the heaviest I've ever been. And that itself is like a day-to-day process, Mm -hmm. like 100%. Like, I'm not going to sit here and tell you, like, when I walk out into the grocery store, like, I have two things. I'm like, what do I want that tastes good? What do I want that's not gonna make me gain weight like <laughs> which is uh, impossible, so
0: I feel that. How about you, maddie?
1: so
2: <clears throat> i i I don't think it's like a blessing, but it kind of is that um I've met so many different people that have eating disorders mm. and that have been like going through different ones. Um, Right. So, like, the most general thing I can say is that eating disorders are mainly caused by anxiety. Mm -hmm. And they're usually closely linked with, like, OCD or tendencies of such. um, Because it's all about, it's not all about control, but for a lot of people it's about control. Being able to control the food is a stress reliever. It's it's a coping mechanism for a lot of people, um, or different behaviors are their coping mechanisms. Uh, But like for some people, um, I've had I I know some girls in a Jewish community in New York who I was in treatment with, and their community really like enforces being small, and so Mm. that's how it started for them. Wow. Um, I know, I have one friend who, she never even had like body image issues. Um, She didn't really care what she looked like. Um, She was only like 14 or 15 when she was there, but when she got really anxious, that's when she couldn't eat and she had really, really bad anxiety. And so
0: it- She was like never eating. Mm
2: Mm-hmm. Wow yeah so i mean i I was even there with a girl she was she was thirteen and hadn't put solid food or like water in her mouth in over a year and had been relying off wow. of a tube for like that time like yeah, so I mean the extreme cases like um the show in treatment centers it's
1: mm-hmm.
2: it is pretty honest, like mm-hmm. <laughs> there are. There are some people like that, but
3: Mm
2: -hmm. um, the good thing is though, that you do see that treatment centers can help people Mm -hmm. and not every, I think an important thing too, is that not every center is meant for everyone. Mm. Um, Different people need different types of therapies and different programs in order to get to a better place. And so if like, if you try one and it doesn't work, like please don't give up on trying to get help mm-hmm. if you do this.
0: Yes, I tell people this all the time because when I was first coming out of my counseling program, people were telling or asking me like, oh, like how would you counsel or whatever? And I would tell them the specific theory that I felt most comfortable in that I would like to use. Like, this is how I want to counsel. And some people are like, well, that's not going to work for everybody. I'm like, I know it's not. But the people that it's going to work for, is it's, it's going to be great for them. Mm-hmm. They're going to respond great to it. I know that I'm not going to be for everybody. Um, and I feel like that's a, when it comes to therapy, whether that be counseling or anything, uh, even if you're looking at it from a standpoint of you go get a physical trainer or something, everybody has so many different outlooks mm-hmm. and they're trying to do something that is going to fit you but they have kind of one purview and so that program is not necessarily the best program for you right. and it's hard to have the awareness and the wherewithal to say mm, this isn't really working for me and then as you said Maddie to not give up on it right to recognize that this is just like one stop and i need to go to like the next stop and see if the next mm-hmm. stop is good if the next stop isn't good like okay well i need to go to the next stop mm-hmm. um and we saw that kind of in the beginning, right? Where she was like, that treatment center in the beginning was not for her. And mm-hmm. she was not going to get any help out of that. Um, that's probably like one of the funniest scenes in the in the film. Uh, I was like, from that scene, that's when I knew it was like, oh, this is going to be good. Like, this is going to mm-hmm. be good. I can already tell she's acting the hell out of this. Uh, <laughs> she's doing a phenomenal job. But I think it's very important to drive home uh, everybody, it, those who are listening. For one, if you have the means... Um, please get help for anything that you're dealing with. If you don't have the means, we can hook you up with some resources or try to hook you up with some resources in your area that may be able to help you out pro bono or anything else to get you some help, but also recognize, please, please, please. The help that you get at first may not be the best help for you. Mm -hmm. You're going to have to continue to do it. Um, Recovery is a lifelong thing. You are not ever just going to wake up one day and be like, I'm done. I'm, I'm I'm fully recovered. It's an everyday struggle. So, Keep living, keep keep fighting that struggle. Come out on the positive side. Some some days are better than the next. I don't want to go on preaching, but <laughs> I definitely so felt that. Like, go ahead. I
3: actually have a question. So Casey, you brought up um triggering and how this could be triggering or how it was triggering for you. Um, so I have a question, because this is kind of uh current events. Um, did you did either of you see the Demi Lovato situation where uh, she went into a Froyo place and um, obviously we know Demi Lovato has struggled with an eating disorder uh, for quite some time and she's on the recovery. And she went into a Froyo shop and basically she was saying that um, it was already hard for her to go into this Froyo shop because when she was going through her eating disorder, uh, that's what she would eat because it was kind of like a low-calorie ice cream and that she knows that people with eating disorders tend to go towards Froyo. Um, well, in the shop, there, she was saying that there was marketing for diet culture and that this Froyo shop was diet culture vultures um because they had like sugar-free options and guilt-free cookies and um like the Larry and Lenny protein cookies and all of that. So what are y'all's <laughs> thoughts on that?
2: Go ahead, Maddie. Okay, so this is like my soapbox. I, <laughs> I absolutely cannot stand diet culture and the way that so many people are making money off of people's insecurities. Mm, speak because on. Because that's a little... That it like breaks my heart that this business, it's just a business, has been able to influence uh, just what women and men and everyone in between think they need to be and look like in order to be like happy and successful. And I, w- I won't lie, um, when I was first out of recovery, I would get kind of as mad as Demi when I would see stuff like that. like when they would promote like keto friendly and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And the, they did it in one of the grocery stores on my university campus. And I got really upset about it. I, I sent an email, but I didn't like make a scene or anything. But <laughs> It's just, cause it's something that's so dangerous. You mm-hmm. don't realize how like dangerous it actually is when you start dieting and doing those things to your body. Uh, because you can cause physical side effects years down the line mm. that you aren't even aware of. Like I, I have stomach issues now. Um, mm-hmm. I I think it's IBS. They haven't really figured it out, but um, there's like that, and then it it has the highest mortality rate of any mental illness, which is the same as the the mortality rate for childhood cancer currently. Mm.
3: Yeah, that's something that Demi put in her post. She said that uh e- and eating disorders are the, I think like the like second most deadly behind opioid addiction or second most uh I don't want to say popular, mm. but like yeah. for lack of better terms, like the most uh Frequent? people are most affected by it yeah. yes uh, yeah, by yeah. eating disorders as opioid addiction yeah. and then people were coming back and saying that like those uh sugar-free options are for diabetics and things like that um so I guess my question is how do you manage your triggers how do you how do you continue on when you do have triggers because I think that we all have things that trigger us in different ways aspects um so how do you cope with those sorry you cut out
1: a little bit can you repeat that
3: yeah so okay uh when you are triggered or when you see something that triggers you um how do you deal with that like how do you keep moving forward and how do you keep it from setting you back
1: i guess like for me personally um Um, My boyfriend is a huge part of um, just, like, support for me, you -hmm. know, because that's the one person I see day in, day out. Mm -hmm. Um, That's the one person I typically consume food around, Um, Mm -hmm. you know. So he has really taught me to, like, actually like food itself. Mm-hmm. um like the like the taste of food like mm-hmm. i used to not enjoy like it was almost like punishment so like when i would go without eating like the one thing that i would eat was um those dollar cheeseburgers from burger king
0: <laughs> because like
1: <laughs> Yeah, so um, I just, like, instead of consuming, like, a food like that, like, he actually, like, cooks for me, and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, he can cook amazing. Shout out to your boyfriend. Um, Yeah, (laughs) he's my biggest support, so, like, especially right now, like, heaviest I've ever been, Mm -hmm. freaking out, like... Hate going to the mall, hate trying clothes on. He's like that one person that um can kind of quiet everything for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's not in the sense of like, I don't know if you guys have ever had this. Like, you know those friends you have that are like, oh shut up, you're not fat. Like, mm-hmm. of course. You're like, course. <laughs> you're like in the back of my head no matter what you say like telling me to shut up and get over it is not like the way to do it so i would just say morris shout out shout out morris biggest supporter
3: i think what you just said is good too because i feel like we we do that right so we tell people oh shut up you're not fat or at least i do Um, because in my eyes, they're not right. I'm like, how could you see yourself as that? Because you are clearly not. Um, but I think that it's important that we, and I'm really just talking to myself, that we see the weight that our words carry, because we might not know what that person is struggling with. And to them, they might be the heaviest they've ever been. And to us, they might look small still, but that's something that they're struggling with. And so our perception isn't everybody else's perception, and I think that that body dysmorphia um, plays a big key in that. Like I have a friend who I have to remind her all the time that what she sees is not what everyone else sees. Um, she can continue to lose weight, uh, but at some point, because at some point, you know, you get worried. You're like why do you need to keep losing weight? Like you're and even if you're doing it in a healthy way, there comes a point where it's like, maybe you should start maintaining there's nothing else you need to lose, you know? And so trying to balance that with your friends and saying, Hey, maybe you don't need to keep losing weight. You look great. Uh, what you see isn't accurate, or I don't want to say accurate. What you see, isn't what we see. And just trying to get your friends to see you through their eyes, but also realizing um, impact versus... uh, Intent. Intent. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I feel that. Definitely. That's a good question. Um, You're talking about, like, coping skills and and things of that nature and immediately coming back with, like, a, oh, you know, you're not fat. We've been, like...
3: I think I do it so often because... I've always been like the quote unquote fat friend. And so I'm like, everybody's smaller than me.
0: <laughs> right. Right. But, and I've been that way too. With me, I've struggled with my weight always. Cause I've been like a big guy, like always. Well, not always. I was a kid. I was thin. I like to show people my like, this is proof <laughs> that I used to be skinny photo. Um, but, you know, I always got teased for it growing up and, Um, much like you Casey like my family struggles with obesity and all the health problems that come along with it Um, and I was just and am fortunate enough at least for now to not have suffered from many of those health issues because I've been so athletic and been working out and so now that I've gotten older and I've stopped doing that and we've been more like health conscious of like are we gonna be here for a while like I gotta (laughs) we gotta crack it down right it's just so hard to get out of something that is that feels so natural to you right like As you were saying earlier, Maddie, it's like you don't think about like how I got into what is going on. It just happens, and then it feels like it's impossible for you to separate from it. Mm -hmm. Um, And you know, Casey, you're counting calories, and I'm counting calories right now. I'm looking at stuff like "Mm." today. I'll share a story, like legitimately, what happened today. I'm driving down the street. I wasted gas. This is my train of thought. This is so (laughs) wild to me. I'm driving down the street. I just did something. I'm like, man, I'm gonna pull up at Sonic and I'm gonna get a drink. I drive by Sonic and I'm like, man, I don't want none of they low-cal or no-calorie drinks, because most of them have, like, uh, uh, caffeine, I don't do caffeine like that, right? I don't, (laughs) yeah, caffeine, I don't do caffeine like that. Then I was like, well, I could probably get a Sprite Zero. But Maddie, I have stomach issues too, so I can't do too much um, of carbonated stuff. So I said, you know what? Let me just go to the gas station. (laughs) So then I'll pull up in the gas station. I literally turn in the gas station and I'm like, Nah, I don't need If it's water in there That I'm going to get Because that's pretty much What I'm going to end up getting I don't need to go to the gas station Right And so I made two good decisions Right there And my brain told me Go to the bakery To go get donuts Because you should celebrate The fact you made two good decisions Like good Mm -hmm, decisions mm -hmm. So I drove to Red Rock Bakery Did a circle in the parking lot And was like What are What is your fat ass doing? (laughs) Go home Like go home What are you doing? You just drove around the city for no reason. And so I went home and I like sat in my car. I had to do something. But I literally sat in my car for like three minutes. Like, what the hell just happened in my head? Like, what just happened? You know, so it's just, I understand how it is to be connected to something that feels so natural. So you have to like try to detach yourself. Uh, It's very difficult to do. And I'm sure that everybody who is listening, you have something in your life. Mm -hmm. It may not be um, something as severe as an eating disorder, but there's some area of your life that you've. It is natural to you, and you cannot. It's hard for you to detach. Just go into that area when you're thinking about this movie, when you're thinking about this discussion, and honestly, when you're thinking about people, because you never know what anybody is going through. So just think about that. Everybody's going through something, mm-hmm. and when they are saying something specifically, even about themselves, it's literally for them to like get out. You don't have to rebut it to try to make them feel better because oftentimes right. we don't make them feel better. We just, well, I knew that. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, you're not fat. First off, stop lying to me. I am. It's okay. <laughs> okay, I know this. Uh, now you're just trying to make me, you know, don't patronize me. That's what some people might say, but it's wild out here in these streets, except, like, especially with stuff like that. Well, My question to y'all, um, to to both of you, Maddie and Casey, is um, with with the knowledge that you have, Uh, There might be somebody who is listening now, who's watching now, who is struggling from an eating disorder. With your own experience, your own knowledge, what would you say to that person? If they are getting help, if they're not getting help, but just who is just trying to get through the next day, what is your advice to them?
2: Um, I can go first. (laughs) But I think acknowledging that there is some sort of issue, or just at least coming to the realization that maybe you do need some sort of help, or that something isn't totally right with your relationship with food, or the way you feel about eating. Um, and at least just telling one person. Mm. And, because making it real, and saying it out loud, and telling someone, or even just texting someone, it, it's one of the hardest steps, But it's one of the most important steps because then you have the opportunity for people to hold you accountable because there will be days where you don't want to be held accountable and you just, you don't want to listen to anybody else. And I mean, eating disorders are really stubborn. They are very, Mm -hmm. very stubborn. And the people who are trapped and consumed by them, they oftentimes will not want help or don't think that they're sick enough to get help. I know that was something mm-hmm. I struggled with because I never was underweight. Even though I was anorexic, I never technically like hit that point. So I, I didn't think that there was anything wrong. But when I realized like what it can do to your physical health and just how mentally you aren't the same person and you don't have the energy And you just start living a more miserable existence. Um, It's just, it gets to the point where you have to ask yourself if if that's something you want to keep giving into or if you want to give yourself a chance to try something new and take care of yourself a little bit more and take that time to really understand your mind and why you're doing some of the things you're doing. Like what could be causing it? Because if you never really go back and fix the root of the issue, you never can really heal from it fully. You're just kind of band-aiding it.
3: Right, that's what um, I was thinking.
2: Yeah, and I think that was also a big difference between my first and second time. I I didn't really think I had a problem the first time. And so I didn't think I had like past traumas to go work through or process. But just spending time with yourself and trying to process things and all that. It's its one of the most beneficial things, even if you're not going through an eating disorder, just to do a little
0: mind check. Mm. I feel that. Casey, what about you?
1: Yeah, I would say Maddie said that beautifully. I mean, mm-hmm. like, there's most likely something underlining from it. Like, so, like, you have an there's an issue, but what's really at the root of that issue? Mm -hmm. Um, So I would say like, not even if you're the person going through it, but if you're a person that is observing it, you know, going back to that conversation of like, oh, I feel fat because I have body dysmorphia. Like if you hear someone say that, you can't really dismiss it off as, oh, you're not fat. Like Mm -hmm. I'm bigger than you. You're, you're Mm -hmm. fine. Like, um, because even though, like, your size may not show it, like, you, like, for me personally, like, I still have a horrible relationship with food. And, um, looking at me from the outside, you might not see that, but like, what I'm internally going through, um, could be completely different. Also, if you are not currently in therapy, get in therapy. There are so, 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 so many ways to go to therapy now with uh you know now that we're in COVID, um you don't even have to go to an office and like say you're Mm. say you don't have an issue with food, you have an issue with how your body looks. Like getting to that deeper rooted issue might take a professional. Mm -hmm. And taking the initiative, you know, it, it can be expensive. Um but you know, going to therapy one time a week, that costs $35 as a copay. I mean, there's other assistant programs. If anyone needs help, message me. I can help you find something in your area at least um, that financially assists you. But um, just getting to that root issue and really what are you going to do about it going forward. Mm. Oh. Yeah, sure. those
3: are... You you both spoke on that beautifully. Um, And I think you both mentioned something that I think is important as well with um, Maddie, you said you were never underweight and Casey, you said that you still struggle, even though it may not look as that. I think that when we think about eating disorders, um, we think that you have to see like bone protruding under the skin to think that somebody is going through something. Right. Um, And that's what we see. And I think that it's important even for people listening who have a bad relationship with food or not. I don't want to say the word bad an unhealthy relationship with food. Um, If you think you do, it's okay to get help. There's not a standard that you have to meet to be considered um, unhealthy or an unhealthy relationship there's not you don't have to hit a certain weight before you're like oh yeah this is a problem and i think that catching those things early will help keep from having larger issues down the road
0: definitely so with that being said i do want to thank you very much for for coming on the show for sharing your experience and your story Uh, For giving us some more insight, giving our listeners some more insight, Um, and do y'all want to shout out your social media just in case somebody wants to follow you and connect with you? Okay, (laughs) Casey's like, I don't know. I'm old. I don't even know what my
1: like handle is or anything. (laughs) I might have to look that up. Um, Maybe we can link it on like the Instagram post or something. Yeah, yeah, we'll do
0: that. Uh, I'll do that. I will link there. I will link their social medias if you would like to connect with both of them. I really did enjoy hearing uh from you too. Um definitely having yes. thank uh, you so much for sharing. Yeah, definitely thank cause... you
2: for having me. Yeah, and I also want to say my DMs are also open for like questions or advice or just anything about eating disorders. I used to have a recovery account that was anonymous. Oh, nice. I, I didn't keep up with it just because college got too busy, but I'm right. I'm very comfortable with talking to people if they need it. That's
0: well, awesome. good luck on your endeavors. I hope to see you cross the stage here soon. Casey, <laughs> okay, so you already know what your deal is. <laughs> Shout out to your come boyfriend, too. Come
1: back to too. Texas, right? And if he's he, uh, he out here
0: cooking, we, we got to pull up so he can cook me some. You know what I'm saying? Cause Y'all
1: need to come for those enchiladas. Hey,
0: I'm in there. It's
1: like five pounds in one sitting, I, I I'm swear. There. But... <laughs> It's we worth had some it. enchiladas
0: last week, didn't we, Katie? <laughs> we did. Yeah, I'm in there, and I wasn't even like a huge enchilada fan, but I think I am. Oh, now.
1: he makes his own sauce, like
0: bomb. Y'all need to come mm-hmm. through. I'm gonna come, come through, through. definitely. <laughs> 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 All right, uh, uh, Katie, do you have any church announcement? I do not. Okay, well, then you know what time of the show it is? Okay, it is time for me to pass around an offering plate. I'm just, 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 <laughs> just joking. Uh, but honestly, we are self-funded podcasts again. So if you uh, support us, you support what we do. If you want to just throw us a dollar or five or 10 or a 100, whatever you would like to do, uh, you can hit us up on Venmo, Press Next Podcast, uh, cash at Press Next Podcast um yes and do that please support us please we're poor and we would like your help so that we can create a great experience (laughs) for everybody else and we can bring on more guests and things of that nature um but if not and you want to just support us by showing us some love follow us on our 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 twitter press next pod follow us on ig press next podcast if you want to follow us on our personal tiktoks do that uh, because we do that as well you can join our facebook group you can watch movies with us at the same time because we do uh, watch parties you can just support us in whatever way that you want to support us send us some love some hugs if you want to send an email uh, about questions maybe you have or how you want to share your story or whatever we can read that on like whatever way you want to be connected with us we want to be connected to you and I think that might be all of drop us a review what is wrong with me here we go Yes, please, please drop, drop us a review specifically on Apple Podcasts. OK, drop a review. Could be one star. Please don't be one star. But um, five star, please be a five star. Just drop a review because we need more reviews to push us up the charts so that people can see us. We can get uh, these wonderful people like Casey and Maddie's story out, experience out. Um, and yes, if you're tired of hearing me, I'm going to throw it over to Katie because you already know what time it is.
3: Yes, you always know when you're sitting on the couch watching Netflix and ask, are you still there? Always press next.
0: Press next every time. Love y'all. See y'all later. Bye.
3: Bye.